It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr. Bean, and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. It's David here to introduce this week's episode, which is something a little bit different. Because, of course, it's an international fortnight and that means no Rangers games, we normally would take a little break. But uh, we're bringing you one of our shows from our Patreon site tonight, and that's because it looks at the start to this season and compares it to last season's start. It's called Talking Teds. It's hosted by Adam, where he gets a, a roundtable group together. It was myself, Cami, and Andy this week and we discussed well everything that has happened since the start of the season and how we're looking 20 games in compared to how we looked at the same stage last season if you like the show well that's the kind of content you get over on Patreon so just go to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and there you will find loads more like it from just one ninety nine per month I also just want to mention to you that we will be playing a show in Bathgate with our good friend Kevin Thompson on November the 23rd so if you are looking for a good night out on Saturday November the 23rd in Bathgate Lothian then come and see us with Kev it's always a fantastic night from former player and future manager 
in my opinion, Kevin Thompson. And you can get tickets if you go to ticketsource.co.uk, search for Heart and Hand, up it will pop. Uh, there aren't many left, but uh, if you want to come along, please get some and we'll see you there. So thank you very much. I hope you enjoy the show. This pod is brought to you by our good friends at Five Stars Limited. Five Stars have events all over the country. For more information, please visit them at Five Stars. That's five numeric five stars LTD on Twitter. Hello and welcome. I'm Adam Thornton and you are listening to Talking Teds, the show where we tackle the big talking points currently being discussed by you, our Patreon subscribers and the wider Rangers support. So, tonight we have a stellar cast for what we hope will be an equally stellar show. First up, we have the podfather himself, David Edgar. Good evening, everyone. We also have Cammy Bell. Hello, hello. And last but not least, we have Mr. Andy McGowan. Hello, Adam. Thanks for having me on. No worries. So, tonight's show will be a fairly general um, look at the season so far. We're, we're going to take a look. It's been 20 games, so we'll take a look at those and we'll compare how we've progressed um, since the summer, but also since the first 20 games of last season to see what the, the progress is like season on season. So, David, the what seems like the fourth international break of the season, but I think it's only the second one, is as good a time as any to take stock. It's been a pretty hectic start. I think we've had two free midweeks <laughs> since we kicked off on the 9th of July. How do you think things have gone? Well, practically flawless, really. Um, there's only... There, there literally is only two blots, uh, or are only two blots on the copybook, and that, of course, is the recent defeat in Bern. And I think that the fact that we're even there to be beaten is a success. And the other one, of course, is a big one, and that's the old firm defeat. But apart from that, we've literally um, done everything else that, that has been asked. And I think in terms of progress to be sitting at the top of the league table after uh, a start that included an old firm defeat, to be still in Europe and in the group stages, to, to be looking forward to a, a League Cup semi-final, we really couldn't have, have asked for much more. Um, the only thing, really, that I think would have been a reasonable expectation would have been a better defeat, uh, a better performance in the defeat against Celtic. I think that if it hadn't been for that, then we would be getting very close to an almost perfect report card. But in a way, I suppose, it at least keeps our feet on the ground. Um, it stops us getting a little bit carried away. We know that there are uh, there's still work to be done, but what I've been happy, most happy about, Adam, is that Rangers have overcome the hurdles that, in, in a way, they presented themselves last season, that we couldn't beat Kilmarnock, we've beaten Kilmarnock. We, uh, would lose, you know, we didn't win games late on, we've won games late on. We couldn't beat a packed defence, we can beat packed defences now. So we're answering questions that last season had thrown up, and I think that that, to me, is probably the most uh, sure sign of progress. And as David said, it's pretty much flawless, but in saying that, the two games out of 20 where we've not got the result we needed has kind of felt like the world has ended a little bit. Yeah, because we went in a Celtic game of confidence. We're playing well, and Celtic probably we thought we had, for the first time in a long time, we went in the game as favourites. So it just stung that wee bit more than it, um, it would have compared to previous seasons where we were kind of going in more in hope than expectation. Um, but I think it's about the way we react I've, I've said for the, for the outset it's about how we react to the setbacks you're going to have setbacks and I think we 
we kind of lose sight of that sometimes in the, the hubbub of social media and the kind of quasi-hysteria we get. Sometimes we're going to drop points, we're going to have setbacks, it's how we react it. And I think we've reacted pretty well, to be quite honest, so far, to the two setbacks we've had. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a pretty good point by Andy. It is absolutely key. Last season, we had a tendency, um, if we got a bad result, we'd maybe almost keep it in our system for a little bit. I'm thinking to kind of February, March time where we didn't win, I think it was six games in a row um, at, at one point. But this season, there's only been those two blots. But when they have been a blot, we've got back on the saddle right away. Yeah, and I can understand David's viewpoint of, of Bern. Um, being a blow, I suppose my fixation, as the three of you all know, is the league. It is just what I, 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 Europe to me is always a great way you treat, and it's the the sweetie. Um, so I wasn't overly, you know, critical of the the result in Bern, the Celtic game. I was really really pissed off about because I felt, as Andy said, we we're going into the conference. He made a mistake. I think we can all say that with the benefit now of hindsight. Um, and messing around with the team selection um, and that would have probably put us in a course where we were going to really struggle to recover ourselves and and, um, and been able to try and capitalise on, on the opportunities that were afforded to us last season we didn't do that and this season the key difference is that we're far more consistent in what we're doing um, there's just a, a fundamental change in mentality in the squad I think, you can, I think it's tangible with the fact that we're not um, we're not afraid of anything, but when we can smell blood, we, we become far more ruthless. Uh, the high percentage of, of, of goals scored when we've won games, um, two or five nils at home and one of them against Aberdeen, you'd, you'd say that to us last year, we wouldn't have believed you. Um, so it's definitely in a far better position. Uh, and we've probably made, for me, you know, close to a perfect start to the season as we could have. Bern and Celtic were avoidable. David, I guess with hindsight, and it'd be nice if it worked this way, but if you were to choose out of those last two games, Bern and, and Hamilton, um, to go top of the league, somebody said to you, you need to lose in one of them. I, I would pick the Bern game. Well, um, yeah, and I mean, there, there is a significant difference. Let's be honest, the, the reason we were disappointed with the, the, the Bern result wasn't that we if we'd gone there and young boys Bern had played really really well and we'd lost 2-0 to a goal in the 25th and the 60th minutes we'd have been disappointed but it would have been pretty much forgotten about by the next morning the reason it lingered slightly was because they weren't that good we we should have beaten them we we blew it ourselves and that again in a way if you really want to look for positives is a sign of progress because uh, it wasn't a case of going uh, to a tough place in Europe and it is a tough place to go and being outclassed, it was a case of us shooting ourselves in the foot. So you're absolutely correct. And in terms of a defeat at home to Hamilton would have been catastrophic. I mean, it's not. It's only happened once, I think, in the last what seventy years. Um, so it would have been an utter catastrophe. But um, I like the fact that the team played so well in that match. For me, Adam, if we're we're going to talk about a lot tonight, but the, the the key moment of this season for me so far came at Rugby Park uh, in the first day of the league season, and that was getting that last-minute winner. I think that if this season goes the way we want it to, that will be looked upon as utterly the key moment, because for me, it answered so many questions. Because that performance, Rangers had played very similarly to recent visits to Rugby Park. Let's not forget that. Rangers didn't play well that day. We got the lead. 
and then there was an inevitability about Kilmarnock scoring as we went further and further back. They did score. Last season, Rangers would have drawn or probably lost that match, in all honesty. And instead, they went forward and we got the winner. And for me, that that just seemed to change everything overnight. The players psychologically began to believe in themselves that little bit more. And I think you see that in when we were offered chances to take advantage of Celtic slip-ups. Now, last season, when we were offered those chances, it was to get closer to them in the main but this season it was to actually go in front and that that does take a little bit of drive hammered Aberdeen again a bogey side last season hammered Hamilton uh, you would expect to beat Hamilton I know that but we did it so easily and that's three days after an away European match so for me I think that I like the new attitude within the squad they will still lose games because they're not uh, you know, a fantastic all-conquering side. It, it's very difficult to be that with the kind of budget that we're at. But I think that there is the attitude that you need to be successful in Scottish football. We've all grown up over the years seeing Rangers teams that um, maybe weren't the the most skilled and certainly there's some times they were, but they knew how to win. They knew how to get over the line um, and they played with that physicality. Livingston's another good one for me this season. Rangers were rotten that night. We really were. We did not play well. And we see recently how tough Livingston is to go for a big side when when Livingston are bang up for it. Um, And Rangers went there. Okay, didn't play well. One got through in the cup. And Martin speaks about this a lot. Each time a side does something like that, it builds up trust because the fans don't expect what we expected. Let's be honest. We all expected Kelly to score in the last 10 minutes of that game because we'd seen it so often. The more that the team escape from situations like that, or rather overcome them is a better word, the more you trust that they can do it. And funnily enough, we'll relax and they'll relax. And then it becomes conducive to more wins. It, 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 it's not luck. It, it, you know, it's a, a, if you like, it's almost a sort of process. And the more it happens, the more it tends to happen because psychologically everyone begins to believe, not just us, our opponents think, oh, they always get a goal here. And I think that this Rangers team is on the cusp of doing that. Yeah, I completely agree. Andy, last season um, against Hearts at Tynecastle, um, I think we won the league. Uh, sorry, we won the league. We we won and went top of the league. Um, I can't remember the the date specifically, but I'm pretty sure it was around about this time. Um, but then the next week we went out and and dropped points and slipped back. David said there's a mentality there now to claw those points back uh, after the old firm game. But more importantly, it's going to be interesting once we we come back next week to see if that's a potential banana skin at Tynecastle if we can keep our hand on the rudder and and keep that two point gap there. Yeah, but I think what what the team's got now that it didn't have last season is they've actually got the capability throughout the squad. And, and by that, I mean the actual players that we've got at our disposal from the bench and the first 11. We can find solutions. So if the game isn't going the way we planned, or if... Um, so Livingston's a great example. Kamarnock's a great example. We can still find solutions. So I was fairly critical last year about um, set pieces I thought were pretty wasteful for a lot of set pieces and I often said that if we were going to be serious about winning games then Kilmarnock was the epitome of the game I was kind of talking about it's a case of you're, you're, in, you're grabbing victory from the, the joys of well no defeat but a draw and you pull it out the bag by sheer will force determination and actually using what you've got at your disposal which is a set piece at that point in time 
So going into the game at Tynecastle, I think we're in for a severe test because I've got a I've got a feeling that this is going to be a, a game where Hearts Hearts have got a lot of questions to answer. They've got a lot of pressure on them, but at the same time, they've they've got to turn up sometime. And th- what we've learned from going to Tynecastle in the past, no matter what kind of Rangers team we had have, is they have the capability of turning up the volume when we come to Tynecastle. And if they get the first goal. Uh, on Sunday, then that will change the dynamics completely for them. But as we're saying, this Rangers team is a different animal this year. They're capable of going a goal behind and still having the belief. There's a bit of power in the team. There's a bit of um, uh, adaptability because we've got different types of players and we're not just looking to Morelos or another for a for a, a goal, whereas last year we were probably hyper-reliant on him. Now we've got players... Um, they can score for all over the park. We've got players that can come off the bench and actually really change the game uh, and, and pose teams a different problem. So I'm looking at the likes of uh, Ojo can start, but you can bring on Bar- Brendan, no Brendan, sorry, Brendan, Brandon, Brandon Barkard. You can bring on Greg Stewart, who's a different type of player altogether. You can bring on Jones when he's fit. So we do have a lot of options that mean that teams can't just set up shop and have a one-dimensional method of uh, stifling us because we're going to pose them different problems at different parts of the game. So that's the biggest difference for me. And there's got to be some kind of psychological um, cachet here that we've been beaten in the first Old Firm game at home, yet we're still sitting here top of the league. That has got to go for something. And it's as much about the team across the city as, as us in terms of what happens from here on in, because although we can only take care of our own game, what we do by taking care of our own game is put tremendous pressure on them because we've talked long and weary in different shows about where where we remember eight, nine in a row and how much pressure is on us. They're sitting in that seat just now. So in many ways, I've said before, we don't have much to lose, to be quite honest with you. They have everything to lose. We have everything to gain. So we've got to make sure that uh, the momentum's continued. But if we drop points at Castle and we go one behind them or whatever, the context is we're still there. It's going to be a long, hard season. It'll go to the wire as far as I'm concerned. Cammy, Andy talks about the flexibility in the squad and the, the strength and depth. Um, we've done a couple of shows on Talking Ted's looking at the new players and profiling what they could give us. Um, we're only 20 games in. It's maybe a little bit early for some of them, especially the ones that haven't played too much. But what has been your kind of general overall view on them? Are they all roughly performing where you would expect? Have you got any disappointments at this stage? Um, not so much disappointments. I think what we've seen is some really some some probably greater squad rotation, uh, which has been a necessity at times. And what what the manager and his team have learned is we need to be able to try and have a large squad of quality rather than just pure quantity. Um, this is going to sound harsh, but I'll say it regardless. We've also got a lot rid of a lot of deadwood um, from the squad. Probably guys who, I think for me, you know, their careers were either coming to an end at Rangers or their careers were coming to an end full stop. I don't really know the benefit of having some of these guys out there, and I'll include guys like Kyle Lafferty in it before any of you have a pop at me. Hmm. Um, But the important thing is, though, that when these players come in, they've got to understand that there's a competitive edge to what they're doing and why they're there. Uh, I'm not sold yet on Ojo. 
because uh, I do think there's a player in there. I don't know. I, 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 he's, he's just he's frustrating at times when I see that. But then I wasn't sold on Greg Stewart, and I've totally turned around on him uh, when he was when he was was first announced he's coming to the club. The deal was completed, and I thought I don't really know why we're getting this, but actually he's been excellent when he's when he's been able to to take his opportunities when they've been given to him. Um, so. You know, you, you could throw a stone, hit a Rangers fan, and, and they would all tell you different, you know, players who they think have really kind of stepped up their game. But for me, there's an overarching piece in there that states that it's all about the the competitive edge within the squad and the fact that you can't have passengers any longer. Um, you will be asked and you will be relied upon that when you do get your opportunity because of injury, because of suspension, because of anything else, that when you come in, you know the pressure that's on you and you know that you have to deliver. So when you see guys like Barker when they've come into Defoe as well, I don't think Jermaine Defoe's coming up here and thinking that he's under real pressure. And if he is, he's not showing it. But these guys are coming in and they know exactly what they have to be able to try and do. So there's a greater urgency. There's a greater pressure when um, we're in the driving seat that we have to maintain that momentum. And, and what the boys have talked about is exactly the same thing. We haven't been in a situation where we've capitulated through our own apathy. Is probably the best way I can put it, because you know we felt like victims. We felt like, well, you know, it's 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 woe is us. We are now driving our own destiny as a result of that, and we look like a team who's capable of doing so. David, I think the the two players that have played the most um, of the new signings would be Joribo and and Shiojo. Um What's been your take on them so far? They they both, for me, had very strong starts and then have maybe suffered a little bit with inconsistency and obviously injury on, on Jory Bo's side. But the thing for me is you can see the role that they're trying to do in the team. Um, there was a space for a goal-scoring midfielder, box-to-box, and there certainly was space for an inside forward who can score and create, which arguably both of them fit, maybe in fits and spurts. What, what's been your take on the two of them? I don't think we've seen the best of Joe Aribo yet, and I think his uh, recent performance uh, for Nigeria against Brazil, for example, shows you the talent that he has. But he's not the first player to come to Scotland and think, whoa, this is a bit different. Um, I'm a great believer, though, that ability will shine through if the attitude is right, and uh, I suspect that 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 will be the case with Joe Aribo. Um, We do have a tendency as a support to make decisions instantly, both good and bad. And Joe Aribo kind of suffered from looking superb uh, in his early European games and us maybe getting too excited and then having a bit of a dip in form and us writing him off. Um, That happens a lot. But I I think that overall, once he gets fully settled into the game and uh, within the the side, that I I think you'll you'll see strength because he's just a tremendous footballer and he does offer us something different, something that we don't have. Um, I I think a lot of it goes down to his performance in the Old Firm match where... uh, and he wasn't alone here, he, he wasn't very good, but equally he was asked to play an unusual position and it's difficult enough to to make your debut in an old firm match and I think he's not the first person to have a, a poor start in one of them. So I've got faith that Joe Rebo will come through. Ojo's an interesting one. Now, firstly, Ojo's had to play basically all the time due to um, injuries, um, due to the fact that, that we've struggled um, to, to have wide options this season. If we hadn't invested, I think, the way that we had in the summer or brought players in the way in the summer, um, obviously, Brian Kent, we haven't, you know, bar 40 minutes, we haven't been able to unleash him at all. 
Um, Jordan Jones with, uh, hate to say it, but he's self-inflicted injury. And you need to remember even Brandon Barker was injured for a bit. So yeah. he's had to play when I think the manager might have wanted to rest him in certain matches. He's felt he couldn't. And the thing about Ojo is he is a moments player. He is not 90 minutes constantly involved. Um, and there are times that he drives you nuts because he doesn't look like a footballer. And then he'll do something that's absolutely brilliant. And of course, the final goal is the example that's held up. I think the manager made a very, uh, and I think that Ojo and Candias are uh, the perfect illustrations for this point I'm about to make, Adam. I think the manager made a conscious decision in the summer that he would give up some, um, if you like, stability and some work rate uh, to, to get in guys who were match winners, guys who could make a difference in a game. And I think that that means that you will lose some of that energy that you would always get from Daniel Kandias, for example. Uh, you'll lose that industry, that that constant harrying and that work rate. And the idea is that you'll get back in goals and assists. And the manager alluded to this when he said that, you know, Daniel had a handful of goals, a handful of assists. He needs more than that. I know Joe's stats are terrific. And I think if he keeps up what he's been doing over the course of a season, he's going to end up with a lot of goals and a lot of assists. And I do think the manager has said that, has sat down with his team in the summer and went, it's all well and good having guys that run for 90 minutes. We need guys that are going to decide matches. And I think Ojo can do that. Ojo is going to continue to be what he is. He's going to divide opinion because there will be days that he is ranked rotten and there will be days he drives us nuts. Um, you know, let's not dress it up about Shea Ojo. There are times that he doesn't bother putting in a tackle, doesn't bother tracking back. There are times that happens with him. But he has ability to go and do something special. And I think that that will continue. I do think he'll get better. He's young. And I think we only need to look at Ryan Kent for an example of somebody who gets uh, settled and got better. Uh, so I, I think that, that both at the moment are qualified successes. And I think that both have every opportunity to get better as the season goes on. And certainly in the case of Aribo, uh, I expect uh, a lot from him, a lot more from him. And I think that he's shown us enough so far to suggest that that once he is uh, settled, he'll be good. Because remember, he's here for four years. You know, he's not here on loan. If he takes six months, fine. I think you, you kind of nicked my point a little bit there with Ojo and Candace. I think I completely agree. They are the polar opposites uh, in terms of playing style. Candace probably could look a little bit predictable um, and I think we've seen towards the end of last season we're clearly moving away from that bombing the ball into the box at all costs uh, someone like Ojo who I understand Cammy's frustrations where he can look like he couldn't hit a cow in the arse with a banjo but um, those moments that he conjures he's going to be frustrating, fans are going to get on his back but if he can keep more of the finer moments then I think uh, I think he'll be very very useful Well, One other point Adam just about that just while we're on it and before you move on um, the Aberdeen game I thought was a great example of something we couldn't have done last season because Ojo and um, Greg Stewart could both do something that Aberdeen, last season we had wingers who would you know, stay out wide get the ball and head to the byline and Aberdeen coped with that no problem Against Aberdeen this time with two wingers who don't have the pace really to, to step by a man, but their movement was superb in that game and it tore Aberdeen apart. Aberdeen didn't know where to go. And again, it's it's as if the manager and his team have looked at a situation that happened regularly last season and said, OK, well, what what can we do that will that'll be different? And he's got players who can do that. 
Absolutely, I completely agree. Okay, let's take a wee look at results um, last season compared to this season. So as we said, 20 games played so far, 8 in the league, 10 in Europe and, and 2 in the League Cup. We've scored 50 goals and we've conceded 10 and we've got 13 clean sheets out of the 20. Um, we've won 16 out of those 20 games. We drew 2 and lost 2, failed to score 3 times. Uh, away in Europe to progress in Legia, which kind of don't count because we went through anyway, uh, and at home to Celtic. If you compare that to the first 20 last season, um, we only won 11 out of the first 20. We drew 7 and we lost 2 to Livingston and Celtic. We scored 39 goals, we conceded 14 and we only had 8 clean sheets. And they pretty much progress across the board, turning draws into wins and, and keeping almost double the clean sheets while scoring 11 more goals and conceding four less. And I think the correlation there is the, the squad quality. And, and, and as I, I go back to what I said earlier on about the, the options, the solutions we've got in the entire squad, now I mean the first 11, I think something David said there about Gendias uh, and, and another winger being kind of one-dimensional last year and, and, and in many ways we were quite one-dimensional because we didn't change the way we played really at all. I think we tried three at the back for for 45 minutes, maybe an hour at Motherwell away and that was the only time we really had any big departure from the usual kind of 4-3-3 with two wingers and Morales in the middle. So we're a different team altogether in terms of what we can do. Greg Stewart brings something totally different because... Adam, I've heard you talking about the past, a wide striker, and I totally concur with that because I think wide strikers are uh, they're different for a winger because what you've got is you're, you're expecting a goal from them. And we've got that in Greg Stewart because he can play right on the touchline, but what he usually does is, is he'll drift in. You've got the same kind of thing with Jordan Jones. because Jordan Jones can play in either wing. He can play cutting in or he can play going to the byline. So the, the difference we've got last year, and it's reflected in the results and the clean sheets and the, actual, the overall stats you mentioned there, is that we're a far more rounded squad with a far more round, well, far more options available to us. So we can change things completely by personnel rather than by system. So I don't think we've had many major departures in the system. You can tell me otherwise being a tactician, Adam, but I can't see major changes. I think the changes come from personnel and uh, individual characteristics, and that, that's what's getting the solutions in games. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the, the structure of the team last year was always quite sound. We were just a wee bit predictable, but since we made that inf- infamous tweak for the last six games of the season, we were kind of going a bit more... Um, as David said, inverted for, inverted forwards, more touches, etc. And the increase in player quality. I've always said you can have a, a really good, solid formation, but um, a certain player will play a, ga- a position in a completely different way to another. So I think we've just got those players that are a bit higher quality and maybe a bit more unpredictable now. And it's certainly shown. Cami, those figures are a little bit skewed with, with the European qualifiers, um, especially the knockout ties. We drew... In all four of the qualifying rounds last season, we drew at least one game, um, but obviously still went through. But if we strip it back and look at league forms specifically, uh, on the 14th of October this season, so tonight, Rangers are on 21 points, two points clear. We've scored 26 goals, conceded five, and have only dropped points once to Celtic, obviously. Last season, on the same date, we were sixth in the league. Eight games played, only won four of them, 14 points on the board, scored 18 and conceded eight. Now, I think there's a couple of teams that have had a slightly poorer start than last season, but there's no denying that we have been, as David said, almost flawless, barring that one game. Yeah, it is. And 
Um, not to kind of cover all ground in terms of going back a year in the pod, but when we, when we talk so many times about the critical second goal, um, we we did that from a position of we, we need to be able to do it to secure the win. Now when players, uh, now when teams are, are, are playing us, if we get the first goal, the immediate thought process is how many will Rangers score? So I think we can also say it as well in other pods, and especially against like you know Aberdeen and Hamilton Ackies and what have you. Games like this now are almost becoming routine. Now that's a really spoilt thing to say, but it's totally right because we've now got our belief back. We've now been able to score goals, go on a bit of a rampage. Just I, I think just have a greater confidence in our own level of play. Whether or not that comes out as turning the result around so you know we can talk about Kilmarnock as we have done in terms of getting the, the three points rather than the one um, again we wouldn't have done that last season if it's the case that you're talking about um, St Mirren where obviously we're getting a, a goal from a set piece that doesn't happen last season so there's a bit of belief there's a bit of quality there's a fact that I don't think necessarily other teams I, I do I do concur that other teams have not started well. Both Edinburgh teams, for example, um, are kind of going through their own mini-crisis. But then at the same point, you see Celtic dropping, dropping points to Hibs themselves and also to, to Livingston. So there is definitely competition within there. We've just looked far more superior in particular games and we've asserted our authority when we've, when we've had to. Um, I think the key difference for me when we look at uh, the beginning of last season was it was all very tentative, it was all quite touchy-feely, let's just see what happens here, and now the gut feeling that I have when you watch our teams take the field whether it's in Europe or whether it's domestically is, no, we're here to do something, we've got far more belief and far more conviction um, to beat whoever's been put in front of us um, and again, I come back to that phrase. It's about being more ruthless. It's about being more professional. Um, and just, as I say, having that, um, I think, I don't even want to say luck because it's not luck. It's just that gravitas that we are the biggest club in the country. Therefore, when we open the scoring up against you, you're going to have to seriously change your game in order to stop us running right. And we've done it already. It's a, it's a mentality thing, I totally agree. We're now confident that when we get that first goal, um, that that's fine. It's not so long ago, two years ago, that we probably needed two goals to be comfortable that we would win. Never mind uh, never mind now, we won. We really feel when we settle down, you've seen it in the Livingston game, uh, a goal early doors, and I, it was a little bit jittery, probably more jittery than we would like, but I think as the season goes, that will be a very, very important result for us. David, if you're being hypercritical, and I've I've seen some people saying this, that you could argue that we've had a, a slightly easier start in the league uh, mm-hmm. than we did last season, but we still played Kilmarnock, we still played Hibs, we still played Aberdeen, and we've beat them all. We've thumped Hibs and Aberdeen. By this stage last season, we dropped points away to Aberdeen, away to Motherwell, away to Celtic, and away to Livingston. Um, as you alluded to earlier, we didn't lose the league last season because of our results against Celtic or really our results against the bottom six. We lost them because of our failure to regularly beat Hibs, Kilmarnock, Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Um, we, play, we played them a total of 17 times last season, which is mental first of all, um, but 17 times in League and Cup and we only managed to win five of them. Yeah. Um, 100% record so far in these games with quick maths. 13 goals scored and two conceded is just clear progress. Well, 
Yeah, we, we've had a, an easy start uh, comparative to last season and comparative to what it could be, but we've won all the games. So, you know, I, I'm not really sure quite what that point is. Now, that does mean that we're coming up for a period that is more difficult on paper in December, in particular, looks a very difficult month. Um, they would be far more worrying if we had dropped seven, eight points in this run of games. All you can do is take care of those games, and with the exception of the Celtic match, we've done that. We've done it perfectly. So it's a legitimate thing to say, to say, well, let's not get excited yet because there's there's tougher runs of matches to come. Um, I'd also balance it to say that it does come in the middle of the really intense European campaign when you are playing constantly and it never stops. So to keep up... Um, an almost perfect record in that, I think, is is very encouraging. But yeah, the, all you can do is is win the games that you have. I mean, Rangers have got 21 points out of 24 in the league. Um, so we could literally only be one game better than what we've done. Um, yeah, you, you, you'll have easier runs. You've got to win the games then because there will be games coming up where the run isn't quite as, as kind. We've got eight uh, out of our next 11 league matches are away from home, for example. It's going to be testing. And let's be honest, we're probably going to drop some points during this. And there's no point saying, I hope people react calmly. We won't. It'll be the end of the world. We know how it works. But I think that that's only a, a, a legitimate point if Rangers had dropped points during that. Because then you can say this wasn't the toughest and we haven't been able to handle it. It wasn't the toughest and we have been able to handle it and we move into more difficult, I think, in a better state to with this confidence that it's bred, having slain a few of the problems that... that I mean, we lost at home last season three times to Aberdeen. That's already gone. We struggled against Hibs. That was completely blown away. And I think that, for me, Adam, the key thing that this spell has shown... Last season, Rangers, to win matches, had to play well as a minimum. If Rangers dropped below well to even average, I don't mean bad. Uh, I mean even average or okay, we didn't win. We would draw or sometimes lose. And I think being able to take care of matches when we're not at our best, you, you there's no side in the world can win a league title without doing that. And I think that Rangers are learning that quality. Absolutely, it all comes down again to mentality. I think you're right. There's only been three games. I would say we've we've played well for the whole game, and that's the the three big wins at home: Hibs, Aberdeen, and, and Hamilton. So that's over half the games we've dug out um, a win, which is which is excellent. Let's move on then and have you chat about key players uh, over the piece. Uh, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go slightly out the box on this one as I can preempt some of the replies um, from you guys. I, I'm going to go for Borna Barisic and Steve Davis. Um, Davis maybe isn't out of the box, but uh, the reason being is that heading into the summer, I felt these two areas were a bit of a problem for us, uh, position-wise. We struggled badly with consistency, uh, and we really needed to to get a bit of stability in there this season. I don't think there's any doubt Davis has been excellent, and Andy, I think you agree with me on that. Um, he's probably up there as our best player of the season so far. Maybe just behind Morelos, as obviously we, we tend to value goals more than what Davis does. But Barisic as well, for me, just looks totally transformed. Um, so much more confident. His teammates seem to have confidence in him too. It was a wee bit of a running joke for me last year, how often Kent just refused to pass to him when the, when the pass was on. He wasn't as involved in the play. It'll be interesting to see for Barisic if he can strike up that partnership with, with Kent on the left-hand side. So my two picks are, are Barisic and Davis. Um, who has impressed you? Do you agree with those, first of all, and who has impressed you if it's someone different? 
I completely and utterly agree with Davis. I think Davis has been the absolute heartbeat of our team and he's brought so much to the team that uh, it kind of gets taken for a wee bit for granted now because last season, uh, at the back end of the season, we were talking about that change in formation. Um, I think it particularly suited Davis, but this year he's just picked off, picked up where he left off because his reading of the game is sublime. I mean, how many times do you see him just turn up in the box and intercept a pass or whatever, but his overall game is absolutely immaculate. Going forward, defending, um, he's just been absolutely fantastic. And I think it would be remiss not to then kind of acknowledge the influence he's had in Ryan Jack because I think Ryan Jack, who I have been very critical of in the past, has been absolutely brilliant. I think Ryan Jack, away from home in Europe, he's just been a different kind of player because what he does now is he's doing the kind of thing that Barry Ferguson used to do, and, and I'm not comparing them as players, right, but he's doing the thing that he used to do which I love to see my midfielders do which is take the ball under pressure and be able to turn and move the game forward, whereas last season what Ryan Jack would do would be uh, taking the safety option and he either passed it square or passed it back now he's got a very happy knack of turning with the ball, finding himself in space, having the confidence to actually do that beating a man on occasion and uh, it's transforming our game. And I think that's solely down to the kind of safety net, the confidence that playing alongside a, a kind of supreme Stephen Davis gives them. So for me, the two players, if, if you're saying pick two players, I don't think you did, Adam, but I'm going to pick two players anyway. <laughs> Stephen Davis and Ryan Jack, to this point of the season, I think have been probably the biggest influence in the way we play and the, the kind of uh, the tempo, the, the, the kind of consistency of, of of performance. Um I, I think they've been superb. I agree with you with Barisic. I think Barisic is a salutary lesson to us all in terms of we often forget that what Scottish football is and what it is compared to other leagues and that there's nothing quite like it. And that there's been better players than Barisic have come to Scotland and either failed completely or taken a long, long time to actually get up to speed. And I think it's clear to see now that he's actually up to speed and I think that the reason that you can see that is because, again, much like Jack last season, what Barisic would do when he gets the ball is his kind of default was to turn it inside and pass it square. Whereas now he's got his head up, he's quite happy to run in with the ball, he's quite happy to go outside his man, he's hitting balls in naturally as he can, whereas before he was a wee bit reticent, he would cut in and look for an easier pass. So I think, um, for me, the midfield is key. Uh, those two, Ryan Jack, Stephen Davis... But the, the only other player I'm going to bring into the, the, the equation is obviously Defoe, because I think Defoe has shown that he's been a part of me, a team player. And we know he's 37 and he might not be playing every game, but the fact that I think there's an influence there in the dressing room that it's undeniable. You, you can see it. And I think his influence on Morelos as well is bringing the best out in him as well. So it's not just about the individual, it's about the individual's influence and the players around them. And I think Stephen Davis and, Mar- um, and Defoe as the senior players are doing that. Yeah, I totally agree. Cammy, any agreements? Andy stole half the team there, but if you've got anybody new, <laughs> then you can... Who am I left with? Gresda? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was going to say Defoe, um, old man McGowan stole it off of me. Um, he, he's basically the same. He, Jermaine Defoe is doing the same thing that Davy Weir did for so many years, where you can see that he's developing the players around him. There's zero doubt, and you can see it even even publicly. You can see in the player celebrations, 
that Defoe seems to be the person that they can go to. Um, even if he's happens to be by the side of the park warming up or whatever, they make a kind of beeline for him. Um, I just he's just one of these guys, isn't he? he? Just you know, I don't think anyone would ever say a bad word about him. Um, and I think when you hear him talk, I mean, listen, let's let's you know, we, we're all aware of players who have come to us at that time in their career, at that age, where they could just fold it in. And Jermaine Defoe comes with a fantastic attitude. Um, for someone who has got zero connection with Rangers, he's come in and he's really taken the club to heart. Um, I, I think he's played some of the best football of his career and I think he's probably transitioning into a coaching role whether that was his true intent, whether or not that's why the manager brought him in and, and said to him, look, this is the kind of segue into you potentially get into to coaching, you'll start doing this here whilst you're still playing and getting the last squeeze out in the can. I would agree. So I, I agree with what Andy just said. Um, the one for me which I would look out for, I'm going to pick probably a really obvious option, um, but it is, it's Alfredo Morelos. Um, I went to bat a lot for Morelos regarding his attitude, and I also really slated him, um, so much so that my time was pretty much done with him uh, following his uh, sending off at Parkhead. But the reason why I, I, I kind of defended him so much was because Rangers fans would say you can't take the the attitude out of his game. He's a physical player. He plays on the edge. Uh, he has that bit of dice against him. You would hate playing against him, basically. But they said you have to just accept that as part of his play, so therefore he's going to get booked and he's going to get sent off. Whereas now, albeit yeah, he's had a couple of bookings, his attitude has completely transformed. Um, if you'd said this again this time last year, you'll see Alfredo Morelos running to a striking partner who's on the bench after being after scoring, etc. None of us would have believed you. If you'd said at the time, you know, Alfredo will come on um, as a substitute, knowing that there's still enough time in the game where he might get a brace, for example, but he'll do so with a smile on his face, none of us would believe you. So it's not just the the negative aspects or the slightly more aggressive aspects of his game um, and his attitude that's changed. It's also, I think he's matured a lot. And I think that, as I say, the manager, Defoe as well, have all worked into being able to try and see that. Um, he, was, he was a liability at certain times. And I genuinely think that the manager had enough of him following Parkhead, pretty much said as much. Um, but he's worked his way back into the manager's good books, which can be easy, but he's scoring loads of goals, which, you know, you can just tell he he absolutely, you know, that's what he lives for. Um, so after Andy picked half the team, yeah, I'm stuck with Alfredo Morelos. David, any thoughts? Anyone else to add? Uh, a lot of them have been covered, yeah, definitely. I think that um, for me, Ryan Jack has been superb this season, just about every game. Um, and like Andy, I felt sometimes uh, last season that there were games he could... Uh, lapse into that easy option thing and he doesn't he doesn't do that this season he's a far better player for it a far more useful player he's always neat and tidy but uh, to me this season he's he's just added uh so much more to his game now and he's dominating games helped ably by Stephen davis uh defoe's influence is a good point barisic's improvement definitely deserves to be noted 
Alfredo Morelos is the best striker and uh, the best player in Scotland for me. Um, you maybe could offer up Edward at Celtic, and that would be a legitimate shout, you know, in all fairness. But for me, Morelos is just the best because he, he can play teams in his own and, and does. Um, quite often, you see him in any kind of, you know, he wears a defence like a baseball cap at times. He is sublime to watch when he's a full barrel in form, and he's getting better, that's the thing. So uh, if I can pick out one, um, who I think deserves a shout out would be Nico Katic, who I think is an excellent start to the season, and I think that has um, provided uh, a physical edge at the back that we have required. I think he's he's played extremely well in most of the games. You know, like everyone, he'll have the odd bad bad performance, and I think he can be very pleased with the the start to the season that he's had. A, a cult hero among the Rangers fans, there's no doubt about that. But I think he his form has merited that this season. There's no irony involved in it. People like him because he's a good player who's playing well. We could probably list the whole team here, but I'll just finish off how you word for Alan McGregor. Um, to the naked eye, it probably looks like he performed better last season, I think, uh, up to this stage, with the amount of saves he, did, he had to, to kind of keep us in the games. But as far as the stats go, he's actually improved this year in terms of goals, goal, goal creation chances being saved and all that sort of stuff, so although it's maybe more under the radar and we've had a better defence, he's actually performing better than he did last season as well, which you probably wouldn't think to the to the naked eye. Sticking with you, David, then, it's all been quite positive. Um, what about things that maybe haven't went so well? Do you have any of those? For me, I think we could still do with some more goals from other areas of the pitch. Um, it sounds a bit silly given that we've we've scored 50 uh, in 20 games, but we're still a little light for me on the flanks and in midfield. Um, probably not in terms of overall goal scored, as, as I said, but just sharing the burden a little bit. I think the big difference from last season is now having two strikers who are going to get um, a decent number of goals and are being rotated, whereas last year it was really just Morelos One. carrying the yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I still think we need more from the wide areas. But that, that's one thing I've been impressed with Greg Stewart is that he's very much a guy who's looking to score a goal. And, and that might sound odd for a forward player, but you've got so many who see themselves as creators. I like a guy that wants to go and, and finish something off. So um, I think he deserves a bit of credit for that. I think one of the things that we are having to get used to is the fact that teams last season we had two threats in all honesty and that was um primarily it was down the the right wing with James Tavernier and down the left wing with Ryan Kent and I think this season teams are all the teams that we come up against are planning for James Tavernier and he is double marked constantly they leave extra players in his area of the field they overload it to limit the space and there have been some grumbles about his form. And I think that that's something that does need taken into account is that it's going to be very difficult for him to have the kind of season that he had last season because teams now, one of the first things they do when they're coming up against Rangers is look to set out uh, a plan to cope with that. Um, and I think that's partially where Borna Barisic's improvement comes in so bloody handy because now Rangers can go, OK, then switch it and have that other... And that's clearly why Barisic was signed. That's what the manager wants to be able to do. The other one I'd say is a negative has been the form of Glenn Kamara, um, which he started the season quite slowly and, if, if anything, has, has actually dipped. And I'm not sure if it's... He arrived that he overperformed and now he's underperforming and he'll meet somewhere in the middle, which will be his true level which I suspect and, and hope that it is. But this season, um, 
when he's played, I think he's been very fortunate to have been playing with two guys at the top of top of their game most weeks. Yeah, totally. Andy, David kind of alluded to it there, but James Tavernier has come in for well, some major criticism after his, his two mistakes uh, in Switzerland. But generally, there's been, I wouldn't say criticism, but there's been a general acknowledgement that he's been below par this season. Um, it's interesting for me that right-hand side could be improved upon in terms of performance, uh, Tav and Arfield. They do work together well in patches, but they've maybe not performed as well as they could have. What I do find quite interesting, though, I'm obviously going to back my boy here, is when you compare the criticism of the two, um, Tavernier has had eight assists and I think three goals this season, whereas Arfield only has two goals and one assist from a much more advanced position. Um, it's interesting the kind of comparison of, of you, the, the, the most criticism you hear about Arfield is, oh yeah, he, he looks like he needs a rest. Um, but the criticism of Tavernier is, is slightly more than that. Why do you think that is? Is it just an expectations thing or is it just because Arfield kind of struggles with his fitness anyway? It's a bit of a an easy one to reason away. I'm, I'll be brutally honest with you. I think a lot of Tavernier's detractors made their mind up about, up about him three, four seasons ago. And they're just entrenched in their viewpoint in terms of he can't defend. And when he doesn't contribute going forward as much as he has, it just compounds this kind of uh, view that he, he was not good enough for Rangers. Um, I've never really got it. I've not, and, and you're probably asking me, Adam, just because you know I'm going to I'm going to back you up with the way we have in here because mm-hmm. um, the flagship a couple of weeks ago after the Hamilton game, I was pretty vehement in my defence at having here and how ridiculous I found a lot of the criticism, how OTT I found a lot of the criticism, especially after the Young Boys game, because um, I haven't there's no up to his standard. He's, he's definitely not been as uh, effective as he has been in the past, but <clears throat> that's from a very, very high bar and a very, very high consistency. I mean, the guy has uh, been supremely consistent regardless of what you want to say about him, for a long, long time for Rangers. And he is our default go-to attacking person. He, he, If we're chasing the game and we're looking for people to step up and win his point or three points or whatever it is, invariably the ball will be going to James Tavernier and we will be asking him to beat a man, get the ball in and win his game. And you, you can't discount the... Um, the responsibility that gets piled on a Rangers player to do that because we've had far, far better, far, far more expensive international players that have just not been able to do that. And I think the fact that he does it week in, week out, really when we're talking about it, and the fact that he's putting in balls like he did in Michelin for Alfredo's Hayden, like he did for Connor Goldson against Hamilton, I think that kind of gets taken for granted now. And, and I think familiarity in many ways is, is breed contempt for Tavernier. And that I don't think we'll realise how good he is and how integral he is to the way we play until he wouldn't be there. Because I hear about folks saying that he should be dropped and all this kind of stuff. I think, my God, do you watch Rangers? Have you watched Rangers? Because if you take Tavernier out of the team, I think you would miss him more than any other player. And I include Morelis in that. I just think he's um, he set a standard. I think, I mean, the captaincy thing, I think he was chosen as a captain for a reason because he came through all the dark days uh, the really dark days when we're getting tanked off Celtic on a consistent basis, and 
he was the only one that kind of showed the physicality, athleticism that you could say is was the requirement. Okay, sometimes it wasn't good enough football-wise, but that was down to who he was playing with rather than him himself in many ways. So Tavernier always gets my backing because he never hides. He never hides. And and in many ways, that's all you can ask a Rangers player. And more often than not, he's um, he's been a very, very good player for us. Uh, and, and I think he's just integral to what we do. I think there's two sides of that Tavernier debate, and I think you've covered both of them quite nicely. As as David said, um, we do have a little bit more options now. We've got Barisic on the other side, so we're we're able to funnel play down that side a bit more. We're maybe less reliant on Tavernier now, and it's kind of been construed as him being not as good or, or less involved now. Like you said, we used to give him the ball and, and make him punt it to Morelos and that was literally all we did. We've now got players in other positions that can take it on um, and create things themselves. So in a way, he's probably less involved, but I think it's it's absolutely undeniable that when he has been involved, he's probably dipped a little bit from, from last season. Yeah, definitely. Cammy, um, anything else for you? We, we spoke about Arfield a little bit there. For, for me, I think he um, hasn't looked on the ball at all this season. I think he's, he's looked decent in the last two home games. Um, and I think a couple of the European games, maybe the Michelin ones, I thought he was, he was very, very good, but it's been very much the minority so far for me. Um, he has been, um, I think it's difficult with Arfield because you can tell he, he, he just wants to be able to do it. And I don't know if he's in a conflict with his body and he doesn't quite understand how to be able to manage the physical exertion's better because he doesn't do it that well. Um, but you have to applaud his attitude. I mean, that's that's, that's fundamental. You can't be a hypocrite either and say that maybe you've got guys who are already trying, but yet Scott Arfield will run into the ground for you. Um, my thing, so Andy kind of touched on it. I wouldn't necessarily, and I know I'm kind of maybe splitting this a little bit, Adam, and I apologise for doing so. But I suppose if I had to think about something which I've been disappointed in this season, it's probably been our support at times because there's been too many times that I mean the guys have kind of referred to it there where you talk about Bairn you talk about Tavernier getting stripped of the captaincy etc we're too reactive to be able to try and see you know negatives we, we, we want to be able to try and I don't want to say see the worst in circuit but our, our ability to overreact is is absolutely crazy and I think what we need to be able to try and look at is I would foresee Celtic fans that if, you know, let's say, for example, they have further slip-ups and we continue to capitalise on them and we continue to drive forward in the lead of the league and sitting at top spot, I think that you'll start to see a, a siege mentality forming there. Uh, and they'll blame everybody. They'll blame absolutely everybody they can point a finger at, whether it be referees, the SFA, the sun coming up. It won't make a difference. What we need to be able to try and do is probably box a bit clearer and have a little bit of patience because the the, the team need our support in the back of that. Um, and James Tavernier is, you know, he's on social media. He, he, you know, you can see these things. Don't think he's not. The thing I would say with Tavernier, though, in terms of just kind of dialing back to that point for just a quick second is even with some of the parts of his body language, he looks like he's disappointed in himself. And I don't quite understand why that is. Because, yes, he's not on the greatest form of his life he doesn't have to be but that's an exceptionally high standard which I think he's holding himself to and to a certain extent he's probably putting himself under too much pressure to be able to do that now we're not you know I think that there's there's a real 
split in terms of the, the fans who ultimately came out and massively supported him and other fans who, as I say, kind of had their crazy reactions. But I think what we need to be able to try and do is just hold our water a little bit more. We just need to kind of calm down and take a breath because we can't react so negatively if things don't go our way. David's totally right. We will drop points. But what we need to be able to try and do is not overreact as and when that happens because they will do that. And that's where the key difference here will come from being able to try and get back behind the team and support them, not feeling that all of a sudden, you know, you chuck the baby out with the bathwater all because of the fact that you might drop points or do anything like that. So as a result, we need to make sure that we, we just keep the heat. I'm going to sound like Andy McGowan now. Um, but you just need to make sure that you don't overreact to situations where um, there's bigger fish to fry is probably the, the main thing I would say there. The one thing I would say about, I'm sure David, you'll agree with about the players is chances are, Cammy's is a nice idea from Cammy, but we will overreact to course, drop yeah. points. Love we that will idea. Go... Not going to happen. It's the world piece of uh, being being a Rangers fan. Um, it, it's not going to happen. There's there's a couple of reasons for it. The first one, obviously, is we're success starved. Everyone's desperate, desperate to win something, and that means that everybody is on DevCon three, and I understand it. The second one, I think, is a, a kind of deeper social point, and that's that in the old days. After the match, you know, after the the the, the Bern game, for example, you go to the pub with your pals or whatever. You'd say all your stupid things because you were angry. You know, the daft mistake, losing a goal in the last minute, you'd be raging. But you would say all your daft things, and that would be it to your pals. Um, then you'd go home and sleep, and and that would be that, unless you were the type of nutcase that phoned Radio Clyde. So that was what happened. Whereas now we all get on. I'm I do this. I'm guilty of it. As anyone else, I'm not talking down to anyone here. Um, and we say something, and it's just emotion, it's just pure emotion, and, and it comes out. And I think the reason that it, it continues is because we're Scottish, that the next day, rather than saying, I was just angry last night, we go, oh, I've said something, so I've got to double down on it. So, for instance, <laughs> in the seconds after the game, you say, Tav is useless, get him out, you know, he should never play for us again. It's just pure raw emotion. If more people the next day could go, what am I like? <laughs> that would be <laughs> stupid. But there's this Scottish thing, I think, where we have to go, no, I have said something, and therefore that is my opinion, and I must defend it. And you get out your spade and you start digging. Um, it's, called think, the, it's called the Chris Bates syndrome. Uh, well, exactly. And you just keep you just keep digging. So I think being able to say, do you know what, I was wrong. I mean, I did, I, after the game, I was like, fucking tab, you know, equivalent of... And the next day, I was like, well, he does all this for us. And, you know, it doesn't make you weak to say, do you know what? I was wrong. I was just, the emotion was coursing through me after the game. But it won't happen. And it won't happen until we win things, ironically. Um, and I understand it. I do. Because everyone is just desperate for success. And as we get closer, and we are getting closer. I mean, I hope it's this year. But if it's not, it's it's coming. We know it's coming. We're on the right path. But we're just so desperate for it that everyone is, as I say, hyper alert. But it doesn't help, that's the thing. And I think, you know, to Cammy's point, if I was to get, and it is just a wish, I mean, it is just a, you know, Will Smith appearing out of, of a kind of lamp thing to me. Um, if I was to add mine, it would be Ibrox, if we could be a little bit less, um, you're shy, you're a prick, you're a waste of space when people um, play a pass in the wrong direction or, or knock the ball out of play. I'm not quite sure how people think that that helps. Um, and I'm not saying, incidentally, that everyone has to go and, and just basically be, you know, 
like sing for 90 minutes. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying there is a balance and standing up and roaring at the top of your voice that some guy is fucking useless is, is unlikely to help produce the result that you're after. That was happening during the, the peak of nine in a row, so I'm not sure when, when it'll never change. Going to no, change that's what I mean. It, it will never change um, because for some people they go to the game and it's more about the so and it's event. You know, it probably keeps them sane that they go to the game and they vent this frustration that they can't uh, they can't do it at home or at work. So I get it, um, but I just think that there are times that we could do we maybe just you know getting behind the team that that wee bit more. But again, it's 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 unlikely to happen, and I do get that. And it's easy for me because I go to the games sober. Um, I know what it's like when you go to the games half cut and somebody you know misplaces a pass and it's out of your mouth before you even before you've even known it that it was coming. But I, I do think that it's it's mainly based Adam in a lack of success and hopefully trophies will just make everybody a wee bit happier. Trophies will be like a joint to the Rangers support. They'll just calm everybody down. Become zen. Yeah, absolutely. Looking ahead then, just before we finish up, uh, the next Celtic game um, finishes off the, the calendar year, uh, just before the, the winter break. We have a tougher run of fixtures coming up than we've faced previously, as we've said, which will be a huge challenge, given the time of year, etc, etc. Cammy, I'll come to you first. Um, at that stage, we'll have played 20 league games, so just over half. We'll have finished the Europa League group stages, and we will have ran our course in the League Cup, however that may pan out. First of all, what do you think is achievable in that period to, to stand us in good stead for coming back and hitting the ground running? And secondly, what do you think we will achieve? Um, I'm going to mention the, the the key phrase, which I've told everybody that I know not to say, but it's that whole run of games um, and been able to go on a run of games. Um, December's an arsic. Last season, December was like a microcosm of a season all within its own. Culminating obviously against Celtic at home, which uh, everyone here will obviously remember for for obvious reasons. Um, there's a lot of tough games involved within there. Um, I, I'm sure that we're away to Aberdeen at the beginning of December. Um, then we have young boys at home. Could that be a qualification decider? We don't know. Away to Motherwell and Hibs, and then obviously we are away to the Stade de Gad. Uh, in the new year game, the problem the problem that we've got more than anything else, Adam, is um, being able to make sure that we continue to use our resources adequately. We've had some key injuries, um, which we haven't really felt the pain of, and I think to a certain extent we've been quite lucky in that regard. But in those games, when like you say, you're away. I mean, even uh, we've got Livingston away, obviously well before we play all that. These are games which now we will feel very confident being able to get into it, but you only feel confident until your next defeat or your next draw. And then all of a sudden we have to be able to try and bounce back from that. And the December fixture list is full of games which are potential banana skins. Um, it is that old adage, you just have to take it one game at a time. I, I, don't, I still don't believe that league wins will come down to the old fun games. Uh, I don't think that will happen. Um, it's going to be even able to pick up points away to Livingston, a midweek game away to Pataudry, which we've got in that spell as well. The difficulty with this, however, is being able to keep that momentum going when those games start to rack up. When And we're, we're quite fortunate. If anything can be said for plastic pitches, it does mean that we don't have huge amounts of fixture congestions any longer. However, they're still shit. So games will still be getting played, but 
I think we just need to make sure that we continue rotate the squad as best we can. If we can say, if we can safely stay suspension and injury free across the majority of that period, I think we will be uh, going along at a fairly decent pace and um, we'll absolutely still be in the hunt at that point. And um, if you'd say that to me last week, I would have bit your hand off on it. So, no, we, we can. It's definitely within our within our remit to be able to do that. We've seen that already from the games we've played so far this season. And the New Year's Eve, um, you're back on the bevy. Baby McGowan is here. <laughs> You've not been allowed to go to the Celtic game at Parkhead. Where do we stand? Are we top of the league? Have we qualified for the next round of Europa? Have we won the League Cup? What's your What's your thoughts? First of all, that sounds like absolute fantasy. Me drinking, <laughs> but. Um, I don't know where we'll be, right? Because as Cammy's alluded to there, when you look at the games that we've got between now and then in isolation, you look at them and they're a wee bit sobering. You've got two plastic pitches in between two European games, Livingston and Hamilton, quick succession. You've got Aberdeen away, you've got Motherwell away, really, really hard games. You've got Hibs away. Um, you've even got Kamarnock at home in, in Boxing Day, which Kamarnock are obviously they're looking hard to beat again. They're very defensive and sound. So these are all challenges individually. And Cammy's bang on when he says it's a game at a time because um, they'll all present their challenges. Um, I think I think we'll still be in touch. And, and I know that sounds a wee bit pessimistic to say is that all you're looking for, but to be in touch. But I, I, I've always said, even last season, I said all we need to do is keep in touch because I don't think Celtic are going to streak away at the top of the league. And likewise, I don't think we're going to streak away at the top. It would need to be something... Uh, very special for us to go on a run and for Celtic to continue to drop points at the same time. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I would like to think that we're going to have a, a cup final in December as well, because I think the bet, Fred, if we get through the semi, the finals in December this year, am I right saying that? I yeah, just dreamt yeah. that. Start of December. So, You'll miss start it. Start of December. <laughs> 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 it's really hilarious. Um, oh, well, I just want to tell the listeners then, folks, uh, that, that Andy is basically saying that he will leave his wife and newborn child, first his right. first child, to attend a football match. Um, that that's the kind of per- that's that's who Aldi McGowan is. Sarah, <laughs> say, no, will be there, so we need a babysitter. Andy, Andy, just out of curiosity, when you're recording this, how how out of earshot is Sarah just now? She's not even in the house. There you go, exactly. There we go, Billy Big Boys. This was the first fucking conversation we had when family planning. (laughs) See when it's born. Billy Big Boys, but we got into this mess, Cammy. Yeah. Anyway, listen, I'll be there. Don't worry about it. And dear (laughs) listener, don't listen to him. There, aye, silverware in December would be nice. Um, But again, if you're realistically speaking, if we have got a cup final in December, you're going to be playing Celtic. And, and that could go either way, and uh, you could either take a massive, massive boost for that, or else it could be one of these setbacks that I'm talking about earlier on that we've got to recover from. So, seven games in December, which again, just as a, an aside, makes a mockery of this winter break. Why have a winter break when you're squeezing all the games into December and then playing two in January? So... Um, the, the the next run of games, I don't think it's any exaggeration to say it'll make or break a season, but that's always the case. Um, I, to answer your question, Adam, I think we'll still be in touch. And if we are two, three points above below Celtic, I would I would bite your hand after that going into the break. David, the guys have kind of alluded to it. October and November aren't 
that bad. <laughs> they're not great, but they're, they're not that bad. But December, there's seven league games. Um, there's also young boys at home. And then, as Andy says, there's the possibility of uh, an Old Firm Cup final um, as well. It's a pretty tough month. Um, the League Cup, for me, takes priority, I think. Um, I really want that title. I think great Rangers teams have been built on getting that League Cup title in the bag. Um, we need it for the comeback um, as well. What What's your take on it? Do you think, can we still be top of the league, qualify for Europe and win the League Cup? Oh, we certainly can. Um, it's a big ask, but we certainly can. Um, I, I think that Andy nailed it when he said two or three points either way. That's where it'll be because I don't think that either of the, the I don't think either of the, the Rangers or Celtic are going to just take the lead and run away with it. So I think that you'll find that there'll be wheel of dips where they'll get back to the top and vice versa over the next few months. So I would agree that if there's only a couple of points in it, December is a crucial month, but we said that last year and Rangers weren't very good last December and that didn't cost us the title. It was February, January, February that cost Rangers the title. So that's maybe something to bear in mind that even if it goes really well, we're guaranteed nothing. And even if it doesn't go as well as we'd like it to, it's not the end of the season. So I, I would take a couple of points either way. I agree with Andy, preferably us on top. That would be pleasant. But for me, yes, the League Cup should be a priority. We've got Hearts and then probably Celtic. If uh, And that's the opportunity, two games on neutral venue, to go and win uh, a trophy. And for me, it would be a mark of the team to do that. Rangers have failed far too often. Different Rangers teams, but Rangers have failed far too often at semi-finals recently, and that wasn't something that that was uh, in our history. So put that right against Hearts at Hamden, and then go on and beat Celtic on the day. Uh, that could be the launching point for for everything, you know, for for all of our dreams coming true. But for me, that would be in the next few months, pretty much at the top of the priority list, even ahead of qualifying from the group in Europe. And I know that I might be sacrilegious to some, but, but there you go. The, the other point to that, just if I may add, and just to quickly jump in, is what we're sitting here talking about the stability of a platform that a League Cup final win gives us. I totally agree with that. That's absolutely 100% correct. But to break a fourth successive treble for them mm-hmm. is a huge crack. And that, for me, psychologically, if the, if the shoe was on the other foot, I think I would not want to be the manager who ruins the first treble in four seasons, then play the old firm opposition at home a couple of weeks later. I think genuinely that could be very, very important psychologically. And this is where Ryan Kent comes in. We've not seen Ryan Kent yet, really. 40 minutes, that's all we've had of him. He's, he's going to come back and he's going to be, he's going to have a huge influence in this season. The reason I love Ryan Kent is that in previous Rangers teams of the last few seasons, they, they were trying to put Visit and Parkhead to the back of their mind. He's the type of guy who'll get the calendar out and look for that game. Um, he's the first Rangers player in years that they fear, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does in that game. No, I, I completely agree. I'm just going to say, Adam, that obviously Davies brought up Kent there. I think there's other players there that are going to contribute big time to what we do, not just between now and the end of December, but for the rest of the season. So Kent's obviously won them. I think Andy King's going to have a role to play. I think uh, 
Ja, doe nog maar een beest, zo'n knap zien. Dan slaat dat weer op en uur. Injury the other week, I get told to take my boots, just in case, you know. Um, but, uh, okay. I, I think he's going to have a role to play. I think Jordan Jones is going to have a major role to play, because I think he is a dangerous player. And in the early days, we've seen him before he got his injury. I, I really, really liked what I saw of him. Um, and to a lesser extent, I think Barker and even Jamie Murphy are going to chip in as well. So uh, it's not just about Ken. And I, again, this goes back to what we're saying about the squad. I think there's a number of players that will do more than just create a cameo role. Um, and, I, and I hope that it's not just Kent because I think we'll need more than just Kent, to be honest. We've got King will, much. King, King will certainly deliver the experience that that squad needs. He looks a good to, player. To, to, he, he, to play. Yeah. yeah, but when when, when players are recovering from a game when they're, you know, obviously training or whatever and they're feeling a bit fatigued or what have you. I think King will be good to have around the place to say you've got to keep going. You can't let it slip. You can't, you know, give 90% instead of 100. You've got to keep going because that's how you win leagues. That's how you do it. And I think even just his experience from that in and around the squad, I think could be invaluable. Not not just what he brings in the park. I totally agree. You have got a lot more people that can contribute um, than last season when it kind of felt like at certain stages it was Tavernier, Morelos and Kent uh, against the world. We're talking in the four, five, six, seven players that we think can make differences at various points. And I think someone like Greg Stewart, who we touched on, is absolutely vital for when we are playing Wednesday, Saturday, Thursday, Sunday, whatever it is, having those guys that can come in on a Saturday and you completely trust and they'll play to the level he's played in the last two games is huge because David's right, we we ran out of steam. Um, We ran out of steam in December, and then it's argued we probably never picked it back up again until April, um, March or April certainly. So having players like that that we can bring in and we can trust is going to be huge for us, I think, absolutely. Well, it'll be interesting to see what we get to. Um, But that's all we have time for tonight, so thank you for joining me. First of all, David. That was my pleasure, mate. And Cammy. Good to talk to you all, boys. And Andy, thank you. My pleasure, Adam. Thanks for having me on. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Talking Tids. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.